Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show where our very own Cousin Mike and the new Mouth of the South, Tyler Peters, gives you our thoughts on some of our favorite matches in wrestling history. Welcome to Tyler and Mike's Insights, presented by the Rewind Wrestling Network. Welcome to Tyler and Mike's Insights. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Mike, uh, we had our inaugural episode. What an introduction. It's always great to join you. We talked about the first WrestleMania main event, and uh, I'm going to throw it back because Mike is hosting this time, so I want to respect my tag team partner. What would you think? What was the feedback from that first episode? I'm going to throw that question out there. So far, it seems like everybody really liked it. Um, and we got some positive feedback and everything like that. Uh, I, I really like doing the one match at a time thing because it gives like a chance to actually like analyze oh, the psychology and everything like that. It's better than like spreading out the entire pay-per-view because like sometimes it's kind of tough because like some pay-per-views have like one good match and the rest are duds or there's like True. one or two. So... But tonight, we're going to be doing the main event from WrestleMania 12, Shawn Michaels versus Bret the Hitman Hart. I'm looking forward to it. This was one of my favorite matches. You were kind enough to let me select it. Uh, But I'm interested to see what you thought from your perspective. Uh, But before I do that, Mike, let me – I better do some plugs real quick before we dive into it a little bit. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, to represent the Rewind Wrestling Radio podcast on the network – we better plug our great podcast. You can find that Rewind Wrestling Radio podcast on these listening platforms. That would be Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you are listening and can find those platforms. So please check us out there. Also, don't forget about Ladies Night with the Tentress Ivy and referee Amy Veronica representing Coastal Championship Wrestling. And don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is the Rewind Wrestling radio podcast and also coastal championship wrestling get your tickets for the last territory that is ccw and you can visit their website at coastal championship wrestling fl.com don't forget about what a maneuver.net you can find your ivy fan shirt your original og t-shirts and your toddler ticker t-shirts that helps us make it to wrestlemania 40 at least pays for parking if you've been listening to us and our great host ted weston and uh, I'm going to throw it back to you, Mike, but it was important yeah, to if plug. You wanna en- if you want to enhance your Friday nights, too, I want to watch something live while you're actually watching the show. You can also check out Top Rope Wrestling Channel or Top Rope Wrestling Talk. Yeah, that, that's why I've got you as my tag team partner, because we do need to plug them. We love Dom. We, we love Wendy and Bruce. They're doing some amazing things. So thank you for that. We have to definitely show our support for our other show that's a part of the Rewind Network. So thank you for that, Mike. Yeah, man. So Anyway. So, yeah, go ahead. Um, this was probably the most NWA main event in the first, like, 12. No, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I, guess, uh, I guess Steamboat Savage would be considered something that yeah it kind of resembled kind of more of the territory wrestling for wrestlemania 3 that that's a great observation but this this was definitely like a workers like main event like this was one of the few times where like the two guys that had the ability and deserved to be in the spotlight got the spotlight and it was really nice 
Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, did you notice that the noise in the ring was a little bit louder than usual? Yes, it was. It was a lot louder. And, and that's always what interested me. I, I think WWF always had that two feature. You could always hear the mat a lot more than the turnbuckles. And especially with this match, you're so correct. It made me wonder if because they were smaller guys, not saying that like it they could were be. small guys, but considering like versus like Hogan and like Andre, like these guys were like considerably shorter and considerably smaller weight size that maybe they enhanced the ring to kind of like. Yeah, probably helped it. Like, you know, the impact was like a big deal and everything. Yeah, that, no, that's all valid points. Uh, and that, that's why I love getting your perspective, Mike, whether you're hosting or, or kind of doing the co-host deal, because I think we make a great team. I, I'm putting him over, folks. That is Cousin Mike. <laughs> he, he's also our adopted cousin, too. I, him and Ted are real-life cousins, but he's became family to all of us, just like Ted. He, yeah. He's familiar, as they say. But, like, it, it just it was wild, because, like, even, like, the smallest bumps, it was just like, boom. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was very loud. The noises were enhanced, uh, to your point. I always liked the the uh, tagline, the boyhood dream came true, or I'm kind of paraphrasing that, but that was always neat. I always liked the video packages because between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, it reminds you of kind of the Rocky montages. You got to see Jose Lothario yeah. with Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart getting stretched by Stu. I, I thought that was wonderful. Now, the other thing, too, um, and this is just something that I, I, I picked up from, like, looking at McMahon and, and, like, his psychology when he was calling matches. Right. You could always kind of tell who was going to win because he was always kind of over top, over the top for one guy. Yeah, Shawn Michaels. And like, it's not the only time that he's done this too because like he did it with Shawn. And then like, what was it? Was it Royal Rumble when it was Sid versus Shawn? Yeah, and and it, also 96 uh, SummerSlam with Vader and Shawn. He was very excited. Yeah, and like, there was like this like slow roll going into the match where like they were playing like the music like the baseline for like Sid's music and everything like that and like McMahon's just like there he is could he be the next one yeah he was champion? very and excited at that point, you're like you're like okay Vince that's the guy yeah, that Michaels is going over he's going to win the match just by Vince McMahon's tone he was like it's a boyhood wonder or something like that it's like yeah. his voice would be deep but it would go up an octave or something maybe yeah, a couple like, octaves yeah Boy, that was a bad impersonation. Where's Bruce Pritchard when you need him? My goodness. Uh, but, no, you're you're so on the money, Vince. I know Sean was a guy, but and you always hear the stories about the click, how they got away with so much, and, and Bret Hart was definitely on the other side of it, the Undertaker, Stone Cold. It took him a while to warm up to Sean because he was not very well-liked. Now he's kind of changed his life around. And definitely everybody respected his talent, but it was just his attitude. But he was a guy, I guess – I'm trying to look at it from his side, not justifying or, or defending it. Uh, but it was always interesting. What was your thoughts? Because it kind of just, segues into it. They were ahead of their time, but the way that they went about things was kind of tough because they undercut a lot of guys. Oh, but they like, did. But, like, they really – they weren't concerned with you if you weren't about putting on a decent match. Like, if you didn't want to work a really good match – or, like, do what you can to make the business entertaining. Sure. They didn't want to have anything to do with you. And, like, there were a lot of guys that made, like, decent effort that got undercut by them. But for the most part, to be honest, like, when I look at the guys that got 
supposedly buried by the click. And when you hear why they got buried by the click, it made a lot of sense. I think the it only did. person, I think the only person that I think I felt a little bit bad for, and this is only a case of if it turns out what he was saying was true, which I don't know because it's not my body. But I always felt bad for Shane Douglas. Yeah, Shane was one of those. I, I'm not sure everybody's got their their perspectives, but yeah, Shane's been adamant even in shoot interviews, and I really learned a lot because Ted would enjoy this. He's, you know, Shane's a teacher. I didn't realize he was actually a real life educator. Yeah, he's an actual educated guy. Um, and like he was complaining about like lower back pain, and. It wasn't like your normal standard, like lower back pain, like here, like from what he was saying in one of his interviews, like after he got released and everything like that and went to the doctors, like he had degenerative like disc issues in his lower back. That yeah, were, He like, had a lot of problems. That, yeah. That and I'm is... sure it didn't help with like what happened in like ECW and everything like that. And I know we're supposed to be talking about the Mania 12 main event. It's just that this is something to segue about because the click was relevant at this time. Oh, yeah, there's no problem with us having the discussion because you're so right. All of it has a connection to our main event we're talking about. For WrestleMania 12, it was in uh, Anaheim. And what do you think about those entrances? And we'll talk more about the click here, but that was something, the zip line that Shawn Michaels came in. Talk about, you know, a WrestleMania entrance. But, yeah, you know, Brett is coming in normal. He doesn't care. That's what I loved, even the contrast yeah. of how they entered the arena. I think the most the most popping pompum circumstance like entrance for sean like that is great and like it had never been done before yeah it was so, a like, first eye catching and everything but at the same time um like brett's like entrance like he's the stoic like worker and like i guess the only out of character thing that he used to do is like he used to give like a little kid his glasses yeah the Kinda, souvenir like, joe green with his like jersey you know yeah, it was a big deal because if a young boy or young girl got those glasses, those pink shades, I mean, I, I would be the same way. Oh, the hitman, the excellence of execution gave me something. Yeah. yeah, to your point, a baseball player, like a football player, giving you a souvenir, whether it's the baseball, the football, or signing an autograph just meant so much. And, like, I feel like we all know how the match went. If you didn't, um, Shawn Michaels went over, obviously, because this was helping build his character and all. Yeah, it was about um, HBK at that point. Yeah, but the destination was pretty much worth the ride. Like, Oh, it was. Like, he definitely worked his ass off in this match and definitely deserved the spot that he got. Yeah, both of them uh, worked very well. I, I'm with you. I think this was a great match. And I, I like how, Mike, they were telling the story of Sean Russell more like Brett style. And Brett, you know, he, he did a great job of selling that. And, and showing frustration. I, I think that's important with the psychology, just their demeanor, their facial expressions. What do you think about that? Um, Brett's always been known for a guy who, like, if you're going to punch me, punch me. Like, right. I don't want you hitting thin air. I want you to connect with my face. I don't care if you lay it in. Yeah. You know, I'll he be sore like, the next couple of days, but it is what it is. So it was really cool to see... Not just that, but like the chain wrestling too. Like that's scientific. The way they were with even something as simple as a headlock. People forget. They look at it and may think, "Oh, it's boring," especially nowadays because it's just a spot. But back then, it meant something. Even back then, speaking of the '90s, when we were all getting into wrestling, and and depending on the wrestler too. Let, let's bring that up. Uh, we're talking Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. So those guys understood that they could put their personal feelings away. 
but it made the matches interesting. I think that's the comparison with uh, Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins has been so good because there is some real yeah, heat. And, and they, the both of them have such a wide move list that they could pull. Yeah, they have a, out, a variety. Excuse me. That it's like anything can happen. In fact, I know a lot of people were trying to make the comparison with the Riddle and Seth Rollins match that's coming up to... Uh, At Extreme Rules? The, a lot of people are making the comparison to the Owen Hart and Shamrock match. Yeah, that's a good comparison. But this is probably the closest thing we're going to see to, like, Brett versus Sean. I think so, too, because uh, to the point we were making prior, just after mentioning that... It was HBK and the Hitman. You know, they had the fight in the locker room. Jerry the King Lawler was there actually using the bathroom. I, I kind of have to laugh about yeah. it because that, that was a funny story. He was just minding his business. Also, I think that's when Brad pulled the hair of Shawn Michaels because they had it on the Dark Side of the Ring episode. Hair out. Could you imagine, like, you get into a fight in the bathroom and all of a sudden you just hear King start screaming with his, like, pants down. He's probably going to do his commentary. Yeah, like him and JR. It's just more attitude era stuff. It had to be classic. I, yeah. To be a fly on that wall, I mean, just for a little bit would have been something. But I'll tell you what, how about the art of comebacks? I actually wrote that down. That is another thing I've noticed between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. These type of wrestlers, or you could say a Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the comebacks meant something, just like the headlock spots on the mat. See, that's what I love. We, we analyze it. We can kind of get in more depth when we're just picking one match. I, I like that it went to a draw. Yeah, me as well. After the hour, because the two of them, it just seemed like a contrasting style stalemate. And, you know, it just, it really worked. And it's not like guys like, you know, Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle, when they had their Iron Man match on SmackDown, where like, you know, those guys are strong enough that they could pull anything out of their ass and, Oh, you know. they could because they're, they're uh, you know, top athletes. I mean, they, they could do it all. You, you think about it, he's an Olympic gold medalist with Engel, and then Brock won the NCAA World Championship and can do it all, too. That's why he's a beast. And if I'm not mistaken, was this the first Ironman match that was like a main event for a pay-per-view? If I'm not uh, mistaken either, to your point, not to, to sound redundant, I believe it was. I don't remember... You know, not that I can recall, we'd probably have to go back deep in the archives, but this is the only one, at least for me, from my standpoint, remembering that main event had headlined at WrestleMania where it was an Iron Man match. Yeah. And the other thing, too, like, I like that I don't think anybody got involved. It was just Nothing took up. away from it. Yeah. What do you think about that spot where it was the uh, timekeeper took the super kick. I mean, even spots like that were interesting because it made sense. They, You didn't expect it, but you could see the logic. Oh, somebody's just sitting for some, there. For some of these guys, because, like, <laughs> that's back before they did the slap. You know, the, oh, that's true. So, yeah, like... Where he could at least have fair warning. So, that guy definitely took a shot to the face. Oh, he did. And I love... Uh, the aspect of the turnbuckle bumps. Michaels and Hart were two of the best. I, I love it. Speaking of noises, you could hear that really resonating when they, they hit back first. And I love the story. It would either be the back, the arm, 
to your point, all that chain wrestling, but it, it would play into high-risk maneuvers, what they would have to do. That's the beauty and art of wrestling. I mean, what's your impressions of uh, them telling that story where even Bret Hart was going up on the top rope? Not that he wouldn't do the elbow, but we're used to seeing Sean do that, which we saw some of, but it's all about how they were countering each other's strategies by even Bret trying to borrow from Sean a little bit. I, I, just, I like that dynamic. They pretty much were pulling out all the stops when it, and you know, throwing the kitchen sink in there. Oh, they like, were. And I mean, this is back in the era where I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but before Shawn Michaels had the sweet chin music, do you remember what his finisher was? It, uh, I'm not sure. I, I remember. Was it the elbow drop? I'm just going to take a guess. It was no, okay. It was I was a- off. It's called a teardrop suplex. Okay. And basically what it was, was the same back. It's similar to the back suplex that uh, Karrion Cross does. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Is he would put the arm over the head like he was going for a back suplex. Then he would hook his hands in between the legs and just go straight back. Very interesting. He would use the sweet chin music to set that up. So it's kind of cool that they kind of rotated the two. They changed it. Yeah. Because before yeah, that, learned. too, they, they used to do the rocker dropper. Gotcha. Which was with basically the famouser. Him and Marty Janetti, yeah, when they were the rockers. But, hey, I learned something all the time. Mike will is the historian. I mean, props to you because I did not – realize that even being a fan and, and following their careers knowing that michael's the super kick was not actually his first finisher yeah when he had his singles run um his first finisher was the teardrop suplex and that was when he had um sherry martell as his manager see sherry martell is one of the greatest uh definitely needs to be in the hall of fame i mean she's great territory stuff up to her wwe uh f run of course for those who don't know wwe but it, you know, because there may be new people that are not aware of even uh, the company's yeah. history back then. She's on a long list of people that should be in. Oh, yeah, there, there's a lot of names that deserve to get the nomination, and uh, I'm anxious to see this year who it may be. Uh, but you always feel a lot of them get left out, then eventually you'll start seeing them get in there, and, and there's always going to be somebody that you go and say – Hey, that's not right. That's a travesty. They're not in the, your Hall of Fame. But at least if there's more of a, a wider wrestling Hall of Fame, then if you see them in that, you kind of understand it better. Well, at least they're getting their, uh, yeah. their nod there. So I, I'll tell you what, there, there was just a lot to unpack. I, I really loved how this match connected because I can tell it connected with us back in that time. That's what uh, stood out when you said let's pick – uh, a single match, that Iron Man match, because to your great observation there, Mike, it was the first, I believe, it's ever been done, at least a headline of WrestleMania for the WWE. And I love the buildup, the whole story between Brett and Sean, not just the training videos, but showing that Stu was with him. They were at ringside. I think it was Stu Hart. And what not Freddie Blassie at ringside? I hope I got that correct, because I had watched it recently, but it's amazing how much you you forget because there was so much going on. Even writing down notes, it's like I'm sure I'm going to be leaving out some important factor, just being honest with our audience. I tell you what, though, like 
I personally don't think they should have done a uh, Sean Brett part two. I don't think they could have topped this match. That was the only problem they had booking this is because how do you, you know, achieve the success that this encounter did? The only way that I would have saw them topping it is if they did a ladder match. And I never seen Brett in a ladder match, so I don't know how he would have done in that. I mean, for that all we would know, be fascinating. I have never seen Brett uh, wrestle in a ladder match. Now, we, we know the Razor-Sean ladder matches work, but it would be different for a Brett-Sean match to be in a ladder match. But, hey, the idea, the concept is overall interesting, but whether the execution, even with how great those two were, sometimes it, it don't always work out. It depends on the chemistry with gimmick-type matches, which I think a ladder match, even though there's been good ones, it's definitely one of those gimmicky-type deals. Yeah. And to be honest, like, when you look at the following Mania, it really worked out. Like, it worked out. Oh, it was awesome. It it was incredible. Sean was able to take his time off. Obviously, he still, you know, was like a mess and everything like that. Yeah, even going through his personal issues, though, it's amazing how his work rate never suffered. Even with all the injuries, now his attitude may have been poor. He may have been making a lot of people mad. That's well documented. But the chemistry and the way him and Bret Hart could lay out a match was just stellar. I mean, it, it just speaks volumes of how good their not only characters were, but their their wrestling ability. Because you have to be storytellers inside the ring as well, not just backstage and on promos. Yeah. You know, it, it all it's part of the package. And there's just certain matches for me that I think are just one and done matches. Like you do it once, oh, sure. you don't have to do it again. And this is definitely one of them where like it peaked. There's there's no way they could have gotten that same energy unless Yeah, they, they, they did so much for this one. Unless like knowing how like the company was turning and everything like that, mm-hmm. if they turned around and started having, like, worked shoots on each other while also not letting it get personal. Because that's what ended up blowing this situation up anyway, was following Mania. They had the big feud, and then they just started throwing personal jabs at each other. Yeah, they were throwing the insults. I I do remember that. And, of course, that helped intensify even fan interest, let alone what they were doing. Uh, But that's true. A lot of the the jabs were back and forth, too, after this. once again, thank you for that, Mike. That that's always uh, great information. And you know, there was there's so much to really you could go into detail. But one thing that stood out to me, I, I loved when you talked about NWA top rules. Seeing Gorilla Monsoon, gosh, I miss Gorilla. Seeing him in a commissioner role was good. He was great on commentary. I enjoyed him and Jesse or, or Bobby Heenan, whoever it was. But also to see Hebner, who was actually in the NWA with Crockett. He was in a lot of those territories, but he was such a mainstay to a lot of the modern audience in the WWE. It was cool to see him lay out the rules. I, I like that because I, we all know it's entertainment, but it's good that they respect and make you feel like, oh, this is serious. I mean, because. Yeah, and like, to be honest with you, man. I think once Gorilla passed away, they should have never had any commissioners. No, and as much as I like Slaughter, I mean, Gorilla, when you've had him as your commissioner, you don't need another one. Yeah. 
Yeah, Gorilla was uh, incredible. You know, his son, what happened to him was tragic. Joey Morella, uh, that was awful. I, you know, Gorilla was always a class act. Big guy, great gimmick, great wrestler, too, and actually a great shooter. He was amateur, so he could really take you down, tie you up. And uh, yeah. very impressed by him. Uh, Jose Lothario was a great wrestler, too, but it's interesting. Him and Sean did not always see eye to eye. I don't think Sean really wanted him out there. It's what a lot of people may not know it, but if you listen to enough podcasts, a lot of the people that were close to the scene, uh, it was a contrast. Yeah, I mean, HBK did not want his trainer there. Apparently, at the end of the match, now, I tried watching it to see if I could see where the interaction was at. I don't know if it was when they were laying in the, yeah. down in the ground. But apparently, after the three count was made, Sean and Brett had like a little interaction. I did where, notice that. Where Sean basically said, get the fuck out of my ring. And see, and... that's where Sean got the bad reputation. I, I get you get competitive, and it's a great match. And t there's a side to it where Lothario probably shouldn't have been around at ringside. But I'm thinking of it like, here's a guy that got you into the business. There's also that side. So I could see a lot of the, you yeah, know, the differing like, opinions. Like, it, it was just, like, weird. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, you don't want the old champ thinking up the place but it was one of the it, i think that was like from what bret hart said that that was like the turning point of him like starting to not like sean yeah he started losing respect for him uh and yeah that's when it everything turned sour and uh and i think and don't get me wrong don't get me wrong i i was a huge bret hart fan i was very much like oh know, sure I, I think all of us were I was very much on his side after like the Montreal screw job. But one of the damnedest things that happens in this industry is once you start seeing shoots and stuff like that, and people talk about people, how they really were, man, I can't help but wonder if like he took himself a little bit too serious. I think Brett did have that reputation of, he did take himself uh, probably a little too seriously but a lot of, of course, the old school mentality would appreciate that more now. But you would even hear Jim Cornette uh, discuss that on his podcast. He didn't understand it till now because he had to deal with Sean. They didn't get along a lot due to the Vader situation at SummerSlam, you know, where he and he did mess up. I mean, Vader, as experienced as he was, I don't think had had faced somebody like Sean. So it, it that's what made it pretty interesting. But then when he missed the spots and you could hear Sean cussing him out and really saying, or move, you know, telling Vader to move, and it kind of, you know, it made Vader feel bad. So Cornette was uh, very unhappy with Sean, felt it was unprofessional. But then you've heard the different versions where uh, they, a lot of people were actually behind Sean because Vader should have known his spots. So you're always going to get those two sides to everything. Yeah, and it's funny because Sean ended up taking that spot, doing something similar with Mankind, but they were both in on it. Like it was, it was just like a shoot. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, so many scenarios, uh, you know, with different feuds. But I don't know if uh, you got anything to add. You're hosting it, so that's pretty much all I got. I mean, I, I love, I love I think, the techniques, uh, the the technical aspect, uh, the methods they went about it is what I'm, I'm trying to get out there. I mean, they pretty much pulled all the moves. Ahead. Oh, they, I mean, all of their arsenal that they could. 
And and to your point, how could you top it? But, I mean, they just had to. And, uh, you know, Vince and Sean definitely had a unique relationship. Uh, so did he and the hitman, speaking of Vince and Brett. Uh, you know, we know how that turned out. They were able to kind of uh, fix that later on. But it, of course, took a lot of years. You know, Brett would go on to WCW. And as much as I, I like WCW, uh, he was misplaced there. That was definitely not the right place for Brett. But you can't blame well, him after the screw job. Well, they did the false start. They gave him a horrible entrance theme. Um, I don't think Goldberg's to blame as much. As I, I don't think Goldberg, I think he takes a lot of the blame. I think Brett is, you know, I hate to say it, he is better at times. Because Goldberg has apologized numerous times. I'm not taking anybody's side. Not just I, that, but like when when Brett took that bump, I understand he got kicked in the face and everything like that. But there were a couple of bumps before that where it looked like he got not oh it's very possible yeah because that, that was and i think to goldberg's defense he was still he was kind of on the job training because they they rushed him out of the power plant due to his look and i was even into the whole undefeated streak but now looking back i i could see that where he needed some more time but the squash matches were better if he had to work longer he couldn't do that even with a, a great wrestler like bret hart so it was very fascinating and the whole sting uh, hogan finish it at the 97 Starcade to have Brett come in where it's kind of a, a screw job finish. I never got that either. Uh, with yeah, Nick it Patrick. Was like they, it was like they were trying to like have him be like, you know, no, you're not going to screw this guy. Like I got screwed. Yeah, that's all it was. Uh, which, you know, I, I get they were trying to probably play because, you know, their competition was Vince and the WWF, but it was still, it felt a little bit out of place. I'm not going to be too critical because it would be tough to be in a booker's chair or, or in creative. But overall, man, this was a, a great match ahead of its time. I think still holds up there. What, what would you say about the Iron Man match? This was definitely one of the few five-star matches for WWE. Yeah, if we had to rate it, definitely five stars. I, I would concur. And, uh, Mike, you can uh, uh, send us so, out there. So, here's the deal, Tyler. I've got Okay, I got ahead here. of myself. Four matches here. You got to pick one. But these are going to be the matches that we do from going forward when I do my list. All right. You just got to pick when, when you're ready to do them. The first one that I have suggested is the main event from Eastern Championship Wrestling. Franchise versus Two Cold Scorpio for the NWA title. Second match that I have is Bader versus Ron Simmons for the WCW title. All good. Third match that I have here is Randy Savage versus DDP for the blow-off for their feud. Oh, that's another classic. And then a very old classic i have here is the midnight express versus the new midnight express now we're talking that that is great tv i love that rivalry so i've got to pick one of those yes this is so hard i i could really pick all of those <laughs> but i let's do, do something different since it were we talked nwa a little bit how this iron man match had those rules Let's try the uh, franchise Shane Douglas, who we, we referenced, against Two Cold Scorpio. Did I have that correct for the yeah. NWA title, kind of the forerunner? To, is this where he threw the belt down? Yes. Okay, that's that's why I want to see it. So that will be our next episode subject. I'm looking forward to it. Franchise versus Two Cold Scorpio. 
Let's do it, man. Let's break that one down. That'll be fun. All right, everyone. It was nice having everybody here to see. It sure Have was. Have a great weekend. Hey, we'll see you all.